and brightest day in blackest night all other podcasts tremble in fright losers cower before the power oranges lust and blues you can trust indigos feel and white ones heal yellow scare and green ones dare that sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 263. That's right. We are talking Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number four and number five. Uh, I don't even know why we, we try for preamble anymore. There's really not. <laughs> just, let's just get right into it. <laughs> Take it away, Mark. Still sub- wrapping up the September books, even though it seems weird now because we're. It's, I mean, we're still early in the big picture, but we're in the middle of. Almost the middle of October now, so we kind of have lost a little bit of momentum. But nonetheless, so let's jump right into this. This is Sinestro's Law Part 4. This issue is titled The Fear Engine. Robert Venditti, of course, the writer. Ethan Van Skyver is the artist for this issue. Jason Wright, colorist. Dave Sharp, letterer. Letterer Van Skyver and Wright did the cover. Kevin Nowland did the variant cover, Andrew Marino, assistant editor, Mike Cotton, editor, and Eddie Berganza is the group editor. So we pick up in Space Sector Zero on, on War World, where some Sinestro Corps members have returned to give Sinestro some bad news here. Sinestro is kind of uh, he's kind of expecting to have Hal Jordan brought back to him based on where we left off last issue when Hal was defeated and they were given orders to capture him. We find out at this point that uh, when these Sinestro Corps members show up, uh, that these Sinestro Corps members show up, and they do bring a Green Lantern, but they're not really bringing who Sinestro expected. They kind of they kind of brought Guy Gardner, so it's kind of like it's kind of like circumventing the. Uh, in a way, it's kind of like it's in a way it's even worse for Sinestro than not getting any Green Lantern. Getting getting it's bad enough you don't get Hal Jordan, but the guy you get in in his place as poor Guy Gardner. And these Sinestro Corps members are just so happy because it's like, we brought you a Green Lantern. It's like, aren't you happy? And Sinestro's pretty much, uh, it's like, uh, it's like, I wanted Hal Jordan. It's like, of, of all the, of all the many Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan is the only one who, and of course he doesn't finish his thought. It's like, if this buffoon Gardner learned, you know, to return, then that must mean the rest of the, you know, the Green Lantern Corps is back too. And Guy Gardner, I liked. Guy Gardner just continues to push uh, Sinestro's buttons in this, which is kind of a, a cool part. It's kind of like a "We're back," which in which, in which Sinestro creates this really awesome, uh, like like this skeletal fist that just slams Guy Gardner into the ground. Uh, Sinestro pretty much gives the order to deliver Gardner to administer Lash, and you know, it's pretty much uh, instruct him to do nothing until I arrive. And now Sinestro, you know, Sinestro. Now calls out for Lantern Strafe, who was the one who actually he was expecting to that group of specific Yellow Lanterns who was he was expecting to bring Hal back with him, but he hasn't heard from Strafe. 
Now we cut to, to an unknown space sector where we see Hal Jordan pretty much being worked on, uh, being tortured by, and from his perspective, and it looks like he's being tortured, but he's pretty much on a, on a table, and we hear someone talking to him. It's like a, like Hal. This here's a word of advice: it would be easier if you don't fight. And we see that uh, Hal's ring is off and contained in a little yellow constructed uh, chamber, you know, and. Hal's told to focus on the pain, let it take you, and we see Hal's ring keeps rico ricocheting inside the chamber, and, and, he, and it kind of is cracking the chamber slowly. Uh, lantern Strafe and his and his yellow lanterns arrive to uh, talk to Sinestro, and this is when Sinestro really starts looking for his clarification. It's like, I, you know, you, you've encountered Hal Jordan, I know that. Where's Hal Jordan? I told you to bring him here. And this is when Strafe says, well, you know, Lantern Sornik arrived after, you know, after we talked. She said, you personally gave command, or the command, that she escort Hal Jordan back personally. You know, Hal Jordan is, you know, so Strafe thinks he did the right thing. Sinestro is, like, really pissed. It's like, I specifically told you to bring Hal Jordan, you know, to me. But but she's your daughter, and and at that, at that point, Hal, it becomes kind of irrelevant about the who was you know who was going to bring Hal back because <laughs> Sinestro pretty much just split Strafe directly in half with a with a constructed hand, kind of like yeah it's almost like it becomes like a crab almost but it's like a hand just like splitting him apart two hands. So all the all the other Sinestro core members are pretty much, uh, including Crib over here they're they're pretty much are like walking on. You know, walking on eggshells now because of what Sinestro did. Now Sinestro is also pissed because some of the people br brought back to populate and and to drive the fear engine for kids. And he kind of makes a point that I'm not going to abide the capture of children. You know, I want you know, you know, I'm instituting a levy amongst the strongest and hardiest of each world. You know, this will ensure none perish from the demands of the fear engine. And it's like uh, I, this is when kind of Sinestro backs it, walks it back a little from the last time we saw him giving orders to any real core members face to face because he says, you know, I want my core to be enforcers, not villains. We must do only what we must to ensure order. You know, tell the others the manner in which Strafe was judged for his overstep. And of course, while Sinestro's kind of talking like this and making it seem like maybe, again, he's not so bad, he does allow Crib to take the kid. So obviously Sinestro still kind of has a... Uh, he kind of has a warped sense of, uh, as always, of right or wrong. Now we find out, of course, which was kind of hinted at by the way this figure was drawn, that it's actually Sornik who's tending to Hal. Uh, you see Hal being stitched up. He has stitches on his chest. And Sora is taking his hand, going, fight Hal, you know, please don't die. Now we cut back to War World where, uh, you know, Guy is being... Uh, He's being harassed at first by Administer Lash of the Sacrament, and yeah, guy guy uses his ring up, but of course, you know, to create a construct. When Sinestro shows back up again, Hal Hal, I keep saying Hal, guy could pretty much his ring runs dry at this point, and he's left butt naked. Yeah. and we kind of get a, a real close-up view of the Fear Engine, you know, for the first time. And seeing how it's almost like it's kind of like the Matrix. Wouldn't you say it kind of looks like Matrix X, Matrix Matrix esque? Say that a thousand times fast. Kind of, uh, with, kind of with the bubbles and the way they're being kept and they're kind of being used to fuel, you know, to fuel the core of this thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm not saying it necessarily looks identical, but I think the con the concept is very similar. 
So we see all the all these chambers, all these bubbles with these the the, pe- the people that have been brought back to populate and, and drive the fear engine. We see a couple of Sinestro core symbols. You know, Sinestro keeps going on. You know, with, with the fear energy amassed by this machine, and you know, Guy Gardner just kind of interrupts him. It's like uh, he's just <laughs> he's just kind of standing there defiantly, completely naked, and Sinestro's like, oh geez, and. Uh, you know, Sinestro kind of explains that you know the fear engine is real, you know, and all and you know fear is pretty much the absolute power in the universe, yada yada yada. And just the interaction between Guy and Sinestro is just really good here because Guy, of course, is the way he typically is. He does everything in the world to kind of like get under Sinestro's skin, you know, and Sinestro kind of kind of points out the differences of why he wanted Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan would have been the uh, He's kind of like the perfect one to help to help harness you know his power into the fear engine and everything else, and pretty much Gardner at this point Gardner at this point is pretty much left to administer Lash you know to to be tortured. Still lost within the cosmos on, on Mogo we have you know we, we see John Stewart he's kind of like above Mogo it's like I, it's like I gave you a 24 hour time limit you know recon mission here guy where are you and you know. John calls it, you know, he says, you know, core leader John Stewart. That's the rank I've been given, you know, but leadership has its limits. And it's like, it's like we have, you know, pretty much we have to, it's at this point that he's trying to rally the troops. And it's kind of, we need, uh, we need to start, start taking some steps here as slowly but surely the, the Green Lantern Corps is getting closer to becoming fully online, at least short, like short range communications as we find out more in the next issue. But they're not entirely back to snuff yet but John rallies the troops and he says good everybody's all in so let's go get our man as in guy so next issue painful truths Van Skyver back on art yes and this, that's one of the big pluses in this issue with how great especially this all the stuff with Sinestro and guy yeah um I don't know where to start um did did they do an autopsy on Hal or something? Why does he have a giant slash straight up the middle? Well, this that's one of those things that unfortunately they don't really help us with at this point because last time we saw Hal, he kind of pretty much got his ass kicked, but he wasn't like I don't think he was bleeding in this profusely, let alone having this great wound on his chest. But I guess somehow we're supposed to believe that he was really severely, potentially mortally wounded at the time when last we saw him. And Sora arriving and stealing him essentially from her from her father, on the way to her father clearly. But uh, that that somehow she needed to do this work on him too to save him. I don't know. It was I thought it was kind of a stretch too. Yeah. Um, I like the interaction between Sinestro and Guy. Um, you know, you get you get cocky Guy again, which is. Always good. Um, outside of you know, you know, like a JLI guy. <laughs> yes. There's a, difference, there's a difference between cocky guy and asshole guy. Um, so I like that. Um, Sinestro. I don't know. He seems to be going off the rails a little bit in this uh, because he's you know the way you were talking about how like. You know, he's saying, you know, we're not villains. We're just doing what it takes to, you know, maintain order, nothing more. 
Like, didn't you just tell everybody, hey, go instill fear? Like, no, nothing in that speech you gave earlier right. was, like, some sort of, like, okay, caveat one, caveat two. Like, you just said, go forth, freak people out. Like, you just expect your entire court to know what you're talking about? Yeah, I agree. It's one of my – I mean, I I like – I like the fact that he's step he's walking me I like the fact that he's walking it back it's just unfortunately that they put us in a position where he's got to walk it back because I because I don't because as we've talked about before I don't really think that was that was not a particularly smart strategy on the surface to begin with to do what he did when he did and I find it hard to believe that Sinestro even being Sinestro would think that was the best way to go about things at that moment so now so it's like I'm going to draw the line after I told you that I wasn't going to draw the line, or, I, or after I crossed it, now I'm going to tell you not to cross it again, or we shouldn't cross it. But here, t- here, Crib, take this kid anyway. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And the fear engine thing seems like so like he's walking it back, but also going forward with it himself. Like he's imprisoning innocent people. Yes, only, only the strongest will do. Just so they don't die on him. I mean, in a way, it makes sense because don't they say the central power battery, you know, collects all the willpower from the universe and all that? Yeah, that, was, that was certainly was one version of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I guess in a way, it kind of makes sense. And is there supposed to be something in the middle there? Uh, is there supposed to be something in that bubble? I guess. I mean, it just looks like. Doesn't it? Hold on. Let me get. I'm trying to get back to this. I mean, because there, there there are intentional lines in there. It's just the. Is that supposed to be something, or is that just supposed to be like a swirling mass of chaotic energy clouds, whatever the f it is? It could it could be where it's all the energy is pooling. Um, it could also somehow be related to parallax too. Once we get, even though we that's what I was talking about. Yeah, as we get as we get to next issue, uh, as you when you do next issue, we do get a little bit more of an explanation of what Sinestro did with Parallax, which is one of the possibilities you and I discussed anyway. So it could be really, it could, and it could be twofold. This could be where the energy is pooling, and it could also be a way to potentially, you know, recharge or regenerate Parallax at some point in, in its full essence, but we'll see. I like how Guy goes off on a pretty much unpredictable, maybe suicide mission takes a backpack with him, and in the backpack he brings with him a six-pack of beer. <laughs> um, Which makes you wonder either where he got the beer from, or, or probably more accurately, how long he's been carrying this beer with him. <laughs> yeah, you know what it also makes me wonder? That backpack's not very big. <laughs> is that all he brought with him? Like, you know, I wouldn't put it past it if that is all Guy had with him was a six-pack. <laughs> like, that just makes it so much better. Um, the stuff with John, like, I guess it makes sense. You know, he's like, I'm not, a- I'm not telling you or ordering you to come with me. I'm just asking if you want to come. But they almost kind of walk that back next issue too. <laughs> Yeah, I know. So, it's this nice build-up moment only to walk it back a little bit again later on. Uh, and they talk about how, like, you know, the the core is decimated or any, you know, like, 
in terms of its its ranks, but there's Kihan, there's there's uh Iolande, there's Stell, uh there's Goran's son, there's two six, there's uh whatever Ray that may be, or Ray or two. <laughs> um there's Kilowog or Resia, there's Vaz, there's Salak, like all the ones we know in any way, shape, or form are here still. <laughs> Except Muck Muck. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he's really had a tough life in the, in the, in the new 52 po- and post new 52 man I, I feel like maybe we would I feel like maybe you, we would feel the depletion of the core more if we were missing some key players and I don't I mean I, I'm not one to like say let's kill off major characters but you know, like we need Salak, we need Aresia, we need Kilowog, but I know two six is new and kind of their creation and Goran's son and all of that. But Feska, she's still alive. Yeah, and all all of that stuff. But like maybe some of the like I'd be pissed if they killed Stell, um, and all this stuff. But I just I don't know. Maybe somebody we know should have died. But they did kill Jeruk, unfortunately. That's true. I like Jeruk. Jeruk got he he got shafted too. Yeah. But I feel like we might we might feel it more if if it was lanterns we knew that were gone. That is true. It, it is kind of harder to have, to feel as invested in it when it's when you're thinning the herd, but but you didn't really know much about the herd, or they were the weakest of the herd that you think got killed anyway. Yeah, that's part of the reason I wish we had like a uh, a Green Lantern sort of anthology series. Is you know you've got seventy two hundred. I mean, not anymore. But 7,200, and then if you include Honor Guard and all that other shit, plus Lanterns, to tell stories about. I would love to, like, get, you know, one-off stories, one-shot stories of various Lanterns throughout the core. Just to familiarize myself with more aliens outside of whatever series it is you're putting out that has John or Guy or whatever assembling a team on some sort of a way strike mission. Like, I would love to learn more about the core. Um, because, I, I mean... Honestly, outside of whatever team they put together, when was the last time we had like a good Green Lantern, like an alien Green Lantern story? Mm. I mean, like, ser- I'm I'm even struggling to think if if we even had one really during uh, the Jeff Johns run outside of maybe um, uh, like uh, Tales of the Core during Blackest Night, where we got other Lanterns kind of backstories and stuff. Um, I know during the Green Lantern core run, which Jeff Johns obviously wasn't writing, but there were like, you know, those, what was those uh, two aliens that, you know, when they, the Guardians instituted the ban on relationships or whatever, oh, those yeah, two lanterns. the ones who quit. Yeah, yeah. You know, stuff like that. We got some good alien Lantern stories in there, which, which uh, I'm not discounting. Those do really, those do kind of count. But I mean, outside of that, I mean, God, that was, how many years ago that we we got those types of stories? Yeah, that was a long time ago now. Yeah, what was the last time we got a good, you know, story focusing on a new lantern that we could get to know and talk? And I don't mean like, like I said, these you know, like I, it, it's a good thing, you know, that we, I know and I'm now attached to people like Goran Sun and Two Six. Like I, I do recognize and appreciate that. I'm just saying, you know, where are those types of stories? I mean, isn't that wasn't that the entire point of the Green Lantern core? 
and the and the stories and th- just them having their own title in the first place. Probably. We the did, whole I mean, point we, was we, to I mean just to explore the space of DC universe and how do you explore space of DC without interacting with the aliens of space? I mean, we've had interactions with like the on their, some of the lanterns' homeworlds and things like that. Yeah. I mean, because remember we had Fesca. That's how we wrapped up the Green Lantern Corps series. And then we had Goran's son, which is how we enter. We were sort of wrapping up the Durlin thing. Yeah. Uh, which I just drew a blank on what the hell the name of it was. Uprising. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's it's not necessarily gone. It's just that I don't know. I just there, it, I don't know. Hmm. I'm not going to sit here and like waste time struggling for words to try and define what I'm trying to say. It's just, I just feel like maybe it's these giant or overarching story arcs that are just killing our attention to detail, our little brief glimpses, you know, stuff like that. That's that's kind of why I want an anthology series, I guess. Is those would be nothing but quick breaths of fresh air. I agree. And I could be, I could become more attached to the overall characters, so that when you finally do a whatever your new strike team is for Guy or John or whatever the hell it is you have going on in the next story arc or whatever it is, that when I see, you know, like what was the last time you saw like a lantern in the background? Oh, isn't that so and so from blah blah blah? You know, like you know those moments, those were always cool moments to have. and this is Ethan Van Skyver drawing, so I'm sure there's a lantern here and there in this in the background of this um, that I'm just not recognizing. I mean, I do recognize basically everybody, like even that onion-looking thing in the background. I know that lantern from somewhere. I just can't remember where. Uh, same with this, um, I don't know, beetle snake-legged thing over by that panel with John right there. Like, I know what that is. I recognize that. You know, I recognize a lot of these lanterns. I just can't remember exactly from where. So and I know that Ethan Van Skyver is a big enough fan of Green Lantern that he would be recognizing and putting in various lanterns. I know that. It's just a matter of, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like, uh, you know, we could we could stand to learn a little bit more about the Green Lantern Corps instead of them just being in the background. With John or Guy or Hal or Kyle or even Kilowog, Salak, Aricia, whatever, taking in the spotlight and then the core just being there to serve as cannon fodder, <laughs> which is, seems like what they've been lately. <laughs> but I think I think we have to accept this is the way it's going to be for the time being, considering based on yeah. everything that's on everything that's on his plate and all the characters that that uh, Robert has to use. So we can't expect to get too much background or too much of the like B tier or lower lanterns to really get much spotlight time at this point, because uh, there's a lot of stuff that's got to be dealt with and a lot of different plot lines and characters as we will talk about later. But also what what we're going to see in this book, you know, shortly as far as characters and plots that it's kind of in a way it's going to get even kind of like bigger <laughs> potentially anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have anything else. Uh, I know you, you kind of talked about it as you were doing the recap, but do you have anything else? I like the. I mean, I, I like the Sinestro cover. 
but he's holding basically Guy's hand, taking the ring off. And we did kind of remember we talked about that, speculating that. They want you to think, of course, he was taking the ring off of Hal's figure, finger, but I kind of always suspected it wasn't actually going to be Hal. So, yeah, it's Guy's guy whose, whose ring is at least symbolically being removed at this point by Sinestro. I think the artwork is really good in this, especially Sinestro. I like the fact that I even like I even like the fact that uh, Sinestro, the way Sinestro's hair is in this issue is that it's even more than just being kind of like shaved or cropped on the side. It's almost on the verge of almost being a version of a mohawk at some point in a way because his hair keeps getting on the sides. It keeps getting you know buzzed down more and more as you get closer to the top. So it's kind of a slightly different look, slightly different look there for Sinestro. Um, I think up to, I think four to me four is the best issue of this series so far, uh, which is kind of why I'm glad it fell into my lap by luck of the draw to do the review tonight. I do. Yeah, why did you think I was going to pick this one? Because it's, uh, to me, it's a much better issue. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, fair f- enough. F- I think I mean I don't think five is bad. I think four. I think four, especially because of the whole. Re- Sinestro's reaction to the to the to Hal not being there, his reaction to Hal you know, being basically intercepted by his daughter, his almost mistakes in thinking out loud uh, about expressing his his thoughts on Hal in like mixed company when he probably really wouldn't do that if he wasn't like kind of getting caught up in the moment, and just the whole way he and Guy, especially how Guy is just keeps pushing keeps pushing his buttons. I just think that's. Because that's actually we don't we really don't get that much. We haven't gotten a whole lot of interaction with Sinestro and Guy, especially one on one. When you really think about it, there hasn't been too much interaction between the two of them for a while. So I think it's kind of cool to go back to to do that. So I just think I, I just thought it was really, and I think it was beca- and I think it also was a plus because we hadn't seen Ethan on art for a bunch of, for several issues. So have him come back and he be the one that draws. Um, you know. He's lucky enough to be the one to get you know this issue to draw, so I think that I think that all kind of worked out well. So I, those are my reasons, pretty much. You know, looking back on it, I think the center cut down um, down Hal's chest is actually done by Sora. Like she's performing surgery on him. You know, like how sometimes you got to crack open the patient's chest or something to get their heart going again. That kind of a thing. I think she's doing. She's the one who does it to him because a straight cut down the middle of the torso, that's surgical. Well, Regardless yeah, of whether it's an autopsy or a chest cra- a, a chest cavity crack, that is a surgical cut. So, and it's it's not something that's stitched up. When we first see Hal on the table, you you see his blood and stuff and things cutting into Hal right there while he's on quote unquote the table. Yeah, but she is healing him as she'll. As she'll talk about it. Right, she, right. She's basically doing what she's doing what she needs to do to help heal him and to heal him as quickly as. Uh, right, but what I was saying is I didn't know where that center that center cut came. Oh from yeah, no, I don't think initially. we're not supposed. I mean, realistically, based on what we've seen, based on where we left off with Hal, there's no reason why anybody would understand honestly why anybody would understand why she's a doing what she's doing and why it's so invasive. Because when we last saw Hal, he pretty much had just yeah. gotten his ass kicked. But it didn't look. But it's not like he was impaled or something, and you understood why she would have a need to. Have, she, would, she would have to get in there and do something really, really. Yeah. Weird. So that's 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 kind of left up in the. I think that wasn't handled the best personally, but. All right. Uh, number five. Number five. 
This one starts um, with Guy being tortured, basically. I mean, he's saying his oath and kind of the way uh, somebody under uh, severe torture and uh, uh, interrogation would, you know, recite their call numbers or whatever. This He's reciting his oath. Um, Guy and, uh, not Guy, uh, Sinestro and Lysa um, make whoopee. Whatever. Uh, basically, during this this scene here, Sinestro is saying, you know, things feel off. You know, Hal should be here, and uh, you know, my plan should be progressing, and so on and so forth. And and she says things like, you know, heretics like you know Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. You know, they're the ones who are have have chosen to become you know cannon fodder. Um, Elsewhere, Hal Jordan wakes up and sees Sora and the fact that she's wearing yellow lantern colors, uh, which this doesn't sit very well with Hal. He sort of, but not really, calls her a traitor, uh, starts insinuating things like the fact that she's following in her father's footsteps. We see, uh, over on Mogo, we see John and Kilowog be alerted by 2-6 and Goran's son that there is a fleet approaching Mogo, of a vast network of different uh, alien ships. We're talking, there's no way all these ships came from the same planet. Uh, this is a vast armada of ships hurtling towards Mogo. Um, back uh, with Sora and Hal, they're having a discussion. She's saying, you know, she's she's kind of making excuses and also owning up to the fact that she uh, is the one who convinced the entire universe to follow the Sinestro Corps, because at the time it was under her leadership, and so on and so forth, and now she's handed the reins back over to her father after his miraculous recovery. She explains her, you know, him absorbing the life energy of uh, Parallax, uh, and all of that, and then this is when Hal reveals to Sora that he's essentially becoming a I'm, I'm going to say entity. He's essentially becoming a will entity himself, um, and explains how he made the ring and you know all this other stuff. Um, he says he's going to go kick ass. Uh, he lights up. Uh, speaking of lighting up, the Green Lantern Corps flies off of Mogo to face this armada of ships. Um, you know, show them our line in the sand is what John is screaming, and Iolande shoots this massive energy cannon at. Um, I believe one of the ships. Uh, no, that's those are. I, I thought those were pieces of ship. That's those are actual ships. She's just shooting at them and exploding it right near the ships. Um, I thought she was told to fire a warning shot and actually destroyed a, an entire ship <laughs> as a quote unquote warning shot. Um, we're gonna we're gonna done fuck them up. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John uh, John communicates with everybody says we mean none of you any harm. Attempt to approach our planet, and we will have no choice but to fire on you next time. The shot won't be, the shot won't miss. And one of the aliens says, "It's the Green Lanterns. Help us!" John uh, flies up to him for I don't know peace negotiations, whatever you'd call it. And they're basically saying, um, "We thought you guys, we thought we you you had banded us." Um, Sinestro is screwing everything up. He's stealing our people. We are mounting the only defense we know and going up against him. Can you join us? 
Well, first of all, our ranks are shit, is what John says. Um, and second, we need intel, maps, information. You give me that, and I'll come up with a battle plan. And he says, it's yours, everything we have. And he says, then what are we waiting for? Um, and the uh, Green Lantern Corps, plus Mogo, plus this Umbrada of Ships, goes flying off. Guy is still being tortured, and Hal is flying in to kick some booty. And next, Assault on War World. Dun, dun, dun. So why did I pick this one? Yeah, um, why did you pick this one? Which I mean, I, this is as you're going through it. Before I don't mean to cut you off, but before as you're going through it, and I'm kind of reading and picking up on things that I want to talk about. This issue is still good, mind you. I just really there's something I think I think it was Sinestro that stole the last issue for me. So I think that's why I like that issue. But, I like the moments between Hal and uh, Sora. That makes sense. I like the whole conversation. I like the whole fact that he's confronting her, uh, not necessarily calling her a traitor, but uh, I just like this uh, this sort of uh, tell-all between the two of them. We can get Sora's perspective on things, Hal's perspective on things. I like the uh, I like the ships, all the ships coming up uh, together. Um, and mounting a last defense against Sinestro, and then teaming up with the Green Lantern Corps. I like seeing the Green Lantern Corps in action again. I mean, I know they don't really do much of anything um, in this issue in terms of fighting. I mean, they put up a shield, and Iolande creates a cannon, and all this stuff to fire a warning shot. But outside of that, you know, it's just a cool, sh- a bunch of cool shots of uh, of Green Lanterns flying into action. But I still like that nonetheless. Oh, hey, is that Metaphil? Right there, at the, the double pi- at the double page spread underneath Chip. Is that, is that in the beginning or the end? No, uh, the double page spread of all the core going up against the the Armada. Okay, hold on. Right underneath Chip, in front of yeah, I don't know, yeah, is that yeah, that looks, looks like that looks like who it is. Metaphil, yeah, that's cool. Is that what's his name? Ar- Armand Chuck or whatever? He's dead, isn't he? I thought he was supposed to be, but he led, that looks like him right there next to Aresia, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's another, maybe it's just another relative. Ar- Arcus Chamuk. Isn't that his name? Ar- Arcus. Yeah, that's his name. Um, yeah, because he's the one that got his hand chopped off and died when everybody thought it was like Hal's hand yeah, slow, when, floating. Yeah, it. when Parallax was about to show up. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 Um, but anyways... Um, no, I just I just like all that all that stuff. I think it's cool. Um, yeah, I just like the moment. The main reason though is the moments between Hal and uh, Sora. I did like that. that. I mean, that that that. Oh my God! I'm sorry. I just noticed. Okay, so the panel where um, John it, it, it's it's only two panels. The the page. Two panels, the top where John says defensive formations, and then underneath that you got a, a big shot of, a, of all the lanterns. Yeah. <laughs> There's Rotlop Fan. Right there in the top right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rotlop Fan. Dan Kurtzke, are you reading Green Lantern, How Joining the Green Lantern Corps? Because there he is, Rotlop Fan, my friend. I'm trying to see if I recognize anybody else. So many of them are small. 
I know. I re- I feel like I recognize this one all by herself in the bottom left corner here. I feel like I recognize her. I think that's her from something. And this one with the the a, a bunch of arms on the bottom, almost on the right middle. Right there, all the arms and all the legs. I feel like that's that um, one-eyed thing with the big black uh, eye mask on him. The almost cartoon-looking creature you see sometimes in the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I feel like I recognize that. Um, is that supposed... That, that green thing next to Vox, is that supposed to be... Um, <sighs> Floto? I'm not sure. Floto's supposed to be dead, isn't he? Uh, I would suspect there's probably more than one lantern on the spread that might theoretically, supposedly, could should be dead, including yeah. including Chamunko or Monk over there. <laughs> yeah. Arcus uh, Chamuk. Yes. All right. Yeah, but no, I mean. I don't really have anything in particular to touch on or go into any great detail, but I just kind of like this uh, this catchy catch your breath moment, kind of between Hal and uh, Sora, because those two never really had any sort of tie together, but they're both prominent figures in the Green Lantern Corps um, and in the mythos and all this stuff, and they do have an an odd tie to one another with Hal's relationship with Sinestro and her being Sinestro's daughter. You know, there's, there's some sort of tie between the two of them where I think it's interesting when the two of them talk for any length of time. And so, and some of the stuff, and let's talk about some of the stuff that comes out while they're having their conversation, because there's, it's not a pure info dump, but there's a lot of stuff that gets floated out there that probably is relevant. You have, you have the fact that Sora makes it clear that not every Yellow Lantern is bad, and that there are some Yellow mm-hmm. Lanterns that think the way she does. Because mm-hmm. Hal even makes the point, I think, in this in this issue of, of telling her that basically try to get those, try to get, rally those Yellow Lanterns that are not like on your father's side or thinks that way, more or less pull them together. Uh, so you have that information. I find not related to their conversation that much, but just curious that last last issue they were in an unknown sector, and now we're there in sector fourteen seventeen. So I'm not sure what the relevance is of if that, or that was just a mistake that somebody forgot where they were, or they, or they didn't want to purposely tell us what sector they were in the first time, or they changed the location after be, Hal got better. It could be, but if he was that in such bad shape, I don't know if she would. But it's po- it's possible. That is possible. I like the. The other th- one of the things I thought of with the Sora and Hal thing, which is I think also factors into how Sinestro was reacting, is that if you go back, I think it was when during the Pale Bishop storyline, that when they were trying to play on Sinestro's, I think that's where it came from, playing Sinestro's worst fear, one of his like his, his worst case scenario. Remember they had that vision that Sinestro had to fight off, in which Sora basically was lovers with Hal, and the way they mm-hmm. were kind of like both making fun of him or. or, or or lording over him, so mm-hmm. I think I like so the fact that you know Sora is the one that saved Hal, and that they could be forming some kind of alliance. I think is kind of playing. Not saying this is where they're going to go with these characters at all, but that's what Sinestro. It's playing at one of Sinestro's demons or his fears. So I kind of, I kind of like that. I think that's, I think that's that's pretty neat. Um, there was 
Oh, I like when when Hal's when Hal's talking about partially talking about how he's become kind of like this, you know, he's kind of like becoming Will, or he's no other way to describe it is almost that. I'll let, he he also mentioned something that he didn't kind of like figure figure out why he felt the way he did at first, but when he felt he, he talks about how he felt Sinestro absorbing the parallax entity, the fact that he could tell that there was something really wrong with the emotional spectrum. Now I'm not sure if that's factor if that if that is partially related to what we're going to see with the Phantom Ring and the emotional spectrum, whether it's laying the groundwork for just like bigger store all all bigger picture stuff that we're going to see in this book, but it's but it's but it, I like the fact that it, and again this does fact this this does relate to the idea of if Hal is becoming not an entity necessarily, but something close to it, that he has a greater feel for the emotional spectrum as a whole because his connection is now is now greater to it. But it's also the fact that, yeah, this this, epi- this issue confirms between what Sora said and what Hal responds to it, that that Sinestro didn't just become host again to Parallax, that he did something different. He pretty much did absorb the life energy out of Parallax, whether that meant he actually killed Parallax or just put him in a, almost like a Talk about everything he could out of Parallax and still leave him partially, you know, leave him technically alive. That's probably what happened. But either way, he, you know, he didn't just take Parallax into himself again. He just, he literally drained him like a battery. And that's enabled Sinestro to heal himself, or at least for now to heal himself. So there was a lot, of, there was a lot of stuff that came out in the, in the Sora and, uh, and Hal talk. So I, I, I think that was, I think that was pretty cool. I like the, I like the fact that, uh, you're you're already getting like the universe kind of pushing back against the Sinestro core, which again Sinestro should be realizing this. That's why I don't th- this, that strategy seemed dumb to do what he did to just oh yeah everybody trusts us now so let's screw them over immediately across the board. Not just the people that are being resistant or putting up you know trying to be prob- you know, a problematic here in the big picture to us establishing our rule. Let's just screw over everybody, even the people that wa- welcomed us willingly and have no issue. Dumb strategy. Sinestro, I think, should know better than that. But so, and it's just, and I don't know. I'm curious about what you know, what House, as much as Hal has a strategy, what he's what he's going to do. I do like again in the in conversation between the two of them, we kind of find out that part of the reason why Hal, you know, kind of in a way was beaten by the Sinestro Corps members was because he was holding it back, because he was afraid to let loose what he could do, because he was afraid of basically releasing that, kicking it up a notch to become Will again and what that might mean in the damage it could do and or losing control, which Hal seemingly doesn't care about now knowing what Sinestro's doing and what his plan is. That's, Hal doesn't seem to care about that when it comes to dealing with Warworld and Sinestro. But he did care about when he dealt with the Sinestro Corps members and that's why he was not willing to do everything that he could have done to stop him. Or stop them. So, there's... This may be a step back, as for like you said, like a, almost like a catch your breath kind of issue. But there's certainly, a, but there's a lot of information in here, and I think that's we're going to get more of a payoff with some of the stuff in the next few issues. I would suspect, and maybe even like four, three or four or more down the road as they start building towards the next storyline. I hope, uh, I hope that guy doesn't break under this torture. I'm really getting sick of the whole, you know under the thrall of somebody else type of thing because of mind control or possession or breaking them or whatever. I'm just, 
you know, I just hope that the the reinforcements arrive in time and guy is hurt and, you know, hurt and needs to be, you know, helped or whatever. But I don't want to see him in the thrall of Sinestro or, you know, broken and just, you know, he's he's got his own mind about him, but he's, you know, doesn't want to be hurt anymore. And I don't I'm done with all that kind of bullshit. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to see that factor in anything. I doubt that's going to happen. I, don't, I, don't I do too, but if it does, I'm going to be pissed. Um, the stuff with Sinestro and um, and Lysa didn't really tell me anything other than... Uh, I don't know. I didn't, didn't really tell me anything. No, they're, uh, they're, being, they're, very, they're being very cryptic in, in almost everything to do with Sinestro and Lysa. Not that that's new... But they're, but yes, they're not giving. You know, she she kind of kept she keeps falling back into the pattern of oh, the Book of Parallax has said this and that and the other thing, and Sinestro is kind of like, you know, making it. And some of this comes out in the next issue too, makes it clear that, you know, I kind of like humor you to a certain extent with this, you know, with this prophecy stuff. Because sometimes you have some pearls of wisdom, but the reality is, you know, at the end of the day, you know, things, you know, more or less, kind of like the Terminator thing. You know, there's no future but what we make. And that kind of thing. That Sinestro is not one for really believing in things that are preordained and can't be changed and things like that. So, I, I, their their relationship is interesting. It always kind of has been interesting, but yeah, I don't think that was. You, we certainly didn't get a whole lot of pearls of wisdom compared to the conversation between Hal and Sora. Right. Um. Anything else you want to say about this issue? trying to make sure I didn't forget anything of relevance. I was trying to scribble down scribble down notes as uh, as we were talking about this. I'm, I mean, I'm interested to see how the War World, stu- War World stuff is going to go, since we know, again, this is this whole Sinestro's Law first arc is about to wrap up, because, and we'll talk about what, you know, in the, what's going to be coming, you know, down the road, based on the information that we have. But, yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm, it, I don't quite know how it's going to end or where we're going to be left off, but it's 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 interesting. It would be I'm certainly more interested in this book right now than I am Green Lanterns. I do think there's more in this book that keeps me, and I think Robert is doing a good job with the pieces that he has you know, to juggle. I think he's doing a good job so far. So I, but I mean, I think I'm just I'm looking forward to the conclusion, but. I don't necessarily know what to really expect. Uh, All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do a little bit of listener feedback and some other stuff. But before we do, try to sneak in one little bit of kind of feedback. Um, So over on Twitter, I asked, I said, I tagged both Sam Humphreys and Robert Venditti, and I asked simply, where are the Templar Guardians? Question mark. I didn't do like a question mark and an exclamation point or anything. I just said, where are the Templar Guardians? Uh, hashtag Green Lantern, DC Comics, Comics, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps. Sam Humphreys responded and said, Vacationing in Palm Springs, the desert air is good for their upper rep- respiratory problems. Steve, right one! <laughs> yeah, when I read that, I was like, Thanks okay, for nothing, dude. Nah. <laughs> like, I'm, assu- I'm assuming, I'm, I'm going to not take that personally and just to s- just say that you know, that's just, you know, your standard social media Twitter snark, you know, yep. that's that's what everybody kind of has. 
But at the time I read it, I was like, okay, dude, <laughs> whatever. Like, <laughs> like I, I, for, I know that like there's nothing in here that suggests that, but we all have these moments where we're like, I'm, I'm going to read into effing everything. And at the time I read into that and I was like, I highly doubt we're ever going to see the Templar Guardians again, and Sam Humphreys is just telling me to completely forget about them. <laughs> like, doesn't matter, forget about it, don't worry. And don't expect us to give you any sort of exclamation. I don't know how I got that, or how I leaped to that conclusion. Bad day for um, Chad. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Uh, but I, I, and Robert Venditti didn't respond, so... Oh. I thought, so I, I, I thought the point of this was that Robert was going to say something that was going to kind of like redeem that statement. <laughs> no, nothing was said. And he usually responds. That's surprising. Which leads me to believe maybe there is something that we uh, will see down the line. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Just uh, I just wanted to throw that out there, though. That I did ask and I did get a response. It's just. I asked the question and received no answer. <laughs> um, so I, we are going to take it. I think we'll get the I mean, I we, we have to be getting close to getting the answer to this. I mean, there's, there's too many other – again, we can talk about this a little bit in a few minutes once we talk about some of like what, what we know is coming in this book based on the solicits that you would have to think that they're getting to the point where they're going to at least have to tell us what happened to the Templar Guardians because there's, there's too, other, too many other things – Kind of like revolving around now, especially related to the spectrum, that we're, that it wouldn't make any sense to not find out what what happened to them. Well, I mean, you've got you've got this this what's Rami Ram Rabi Rami 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 or Rami I think yeah yeah you've got him so he's in the picture. We've seen glimpses of or a glimpse of uh, of Sade and Ganthet. And, and again, based on solicits, there's reason to expect that we're going to see more of them, probably based on some plots that are coming up. True. So, I mean, it's not like Guardians themselves are out of the picture, so I, they've got to be showing up at some point. Yes. And you you keep mentioning the Spectrum, like how, you know, the Spectrum, this stuff is going to be happening in Green Lanterns, um, you know, especially with the cover that's even teased in this issue, uh, in number five for Green Lanterns of, of you know, that, that Spectrum yes. image. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then you you know the the stuff that's happening with Hal becoming some sort of sort of will being and all this. I'm wondering where Kyle is in all of this. Uh, we've seen we've we have seen him. He felt something, you know. He was one of the ones that that felt something in that little splash page thing of what or whatever. So we have seen him as a White Lantern. It's just a matter of will he show up. What will his role be? So on and so forth. He'll, he'll, be, so show, he'll be showing up soon because he's mentioned in one of the solicits. Okay, good. So Kyle, the Templar Guardians. I want to see whatever the hell's going on with Larfleeze, and is it going to be happening in Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps or Green Lanterns? Because he's shown up on the cover of or in each of these books by now. It's going <laughs> so, to be Hal. Which one is it's, it? It's the Hal book that he's in the solicits for coming down the road. But he was on the cover of one of the yeah, Green Lantern the, books. I think he was on the cover of one of the first few issues of, of Green Lanterns. Yes. Right, so I'm curious to see what they're doing with that character and in, in, in which book, and if it's in both books, what's going to be happening, and so on and so forth. Um, the Red Lanterns, we just finished with this Red Dawn thing, and I use the word finish loosely, uh, so I don't know, but 
my my main my main three though are Templar Guardians, Kyle, and Larflees. I want to see what's going on with all that. And to me, uh, we have to add. To me, I would even without going to personal interest in the spectrum, I would have to add, and we need to find out who took the Green Lantern Corps off the table because that's relevant. Yes. And the, because whoever has the power to do that, why couldn't they do it again? And why did they do it to begin with? So I'm sure this is not a forgotten plot point. I'm sure it's going to be included in a or a be a this is going to be an explanation in a major storyline depending on who knows when we're going to see it it may not be until like a year down the road even still but i'm sure that reveal is not something that's going that it's, it's going to be used for mac to get the maximum effect now it may have nothing to do with what cullen's explanation would have been or who cullen would have had behind it if he had the opportunity to finish what he started but i'm but i would I don't have much doubt we're going to be getting an explanation because that's too important a plot point to not go back to. Obviously, the Relic and Krona shit, that might be picked up on down the road just because it's convenient in a different storyline to, to reference back to it. But it's not – it does, It really isn't – it's interesting, but it doesn't change things so much. It just It's like one of those retcons, again, where you get pieces behind the scenes that make you under, to see things from a different perspective. A parallax, if you will, but something that does not necessarily change any major events. Or, but that's not a big deal. Who took the Green Lantern Corps off the table? Yeah, that's big, and they can't just keep kicking that can down the road. But the Templar Guardians, I think, I think we'll, I think we'll see the Templar Guardians before we get the explanation about what happened to the Corps. All right, all right, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have a bit of listener feedback and some other stuff to talk about. Hey, who likes Wild Dog? Who let the dog out? Who let the dog out? No, 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 no. I'm taking this podcast seriously. There's no way that song will appear anywhere in the show or even the commercials. I'm doing this right. I'm FKA Jason of the Silver and Gold Podcast. On September 17, 2016, a new show will be appearing on the SNG feed. Wild Pod, a Wild Dog podcast, is a miniseries covering the DC Comics character that is sort of their answer to the Punisher, Wild Dog. I'll be covering the original four-issue miniseries, the 1989 special, and various other appearances of Wild Dog. Watch for it at SNGpod.com or the Silver and Gold feed on iTunes and Stitcher. Vance, why do we even own that CD? Alright guys, we are back from break. We have uh, we have a voicemail. We didn't mention that we had the voicemail before, but uh, we have to. Uh, we couldn't respond to it then because it's uh, it mentioned something that we covered in this this episode. So we are going to listen to that voicemail now. That voicemail is from Corwin. Corwin finally reached out to us about freaking time. All right, we'll we'll, we're play that. And we're always berating. Oh, well, I say I say we. I'm always berating our listeners. It's like, <laughs> I know, Cor- Corbin does reach out to us fairly often, which is what I was about to say. But I, I was just so visibly stunned by by that commentary. I just had to sit still for a few seconds. <laughs> Sorry, Mark had Corbin. to absorb things. 
Yeah, it's it's always me. Hey, give us feedback. Give us feedback. And then when you give us feedback, hey, hey you know. asshole. <laughs> hey, you asshole. It's finally it's great to finally hear from you. You should do it more. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just forget me being an, uh, an asshole and uh, for half a second and uh, listen to what Corwin's got to say. You were one for more than half a second, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. All right, Corwin, what do you got for us? Hey, fellas, it's Corwin. I've been, you know, biting biting my time and biting my tongue a little bit with the rebirth stuff, just trying to give it a little bit of time to grow. Uh, at this point in time, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps 4 just came out, and I will say I'm feeling a little bit better about the book. I really wasn't happy with the turn that the Sinestro Corps took, trying to feed this fear machine. Um, it seemed like a step backwards from Sinestro, who pretty much did the same thing on his home planet of Korrigar when he took it over and subjected everybody underneath him. It just seems like his original plan in his original book, or the Sinestro book, seemed like a better, more feasible thing than for him to switch tracks real quick and all of a sudden, you know, snatching up people. Um, I will say I was pleased to see that he was pissed that they took a child and even though they're feeding this fair machine, they took a, he takes a stand with, you know, exactly who's going into this machine and um, have some kind of standard. So I do feel like it took a step back, which is why I didn't call in earlier about it because I wanted to see it play out before, you know, I jumped to any conclusions. But the other thing that made me call was Green Lantern's number six, which, I, honestly, I wanted to call about it before, but I was just biding my time and... I just had a feeling they were going to be bringing back the Rage Entity, and I had a feeling that's what that whole thing was about, and lo and behold, here it is, the end of the issue, right there, and I just wish I would have started something sooner, but, you know, enjoying that book, I, I will say, yeah, Jessica does get a bit annoying with her back and forth, and um, with the Red Lanterns, remember, we got the Rage Mother, um, I know you guys were talking about it before, where all these Red Lanterns came back from the dead, but remember, the Rage Mother is, can bring people back from the dead, they just kind of respawn out of blood, so there you go. I'm trying to keep it short. I know you guys always want voicemail, so there you go. I'll hit you guys up again soon. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Still enjoying the show, and I'm still tuning in. Later. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's good that Sinestro's got standards in terms of, you know, making sure a kid doesn't get brought into the mix, but uh, <laughs> it's almost a kind of too little too late <laughs> in a way, some way, shape, or form, but also, I mean... As far as standards of who's going into the Fuhrer engine, maybe who's not going in, because it seems like a bunch of these people are just innocents that are going in. Um, he, doesn't, is he, he doesn't care if they're innocent. He, he, he just cares if they're strong enough and they have enough fear to... to, to they're capable of putting, in, putting out enough fear to, to, meet, to, to meet his quota. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, I, I, know, I know what you mean, though. It's... It, it, Sinestro and ethics and his standards are, are kind of are kind of really questionable to begin with, but I, I do agree. I I think Corwin is, and I've said this before. I don't I don't like to turn. I don't like to turn the Sinestro core made. I think it's too quick a pivot to do that. I don't think for various reasons, and we mentioned it in this episode too. It doesn't seem like it's a strategy that that it's it's a strategy you can't go back from. Once you do this, once you do this. Any chance you have of being accepted and being seen as, an, as a viable alternative to the Green Lantern Corps in the universe, you're just pissing that away. So it doesn't seem like that should be plan number, you know, plan A here. So, so I, I I agree with them 
you know, on that, so. Yeah, um, I don't know. He's, I mean, he's, he's, he, 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 he's making some of the same observations and points we are. As far as the rage mother is concerned, I mean, yes and no. It's not like we forgot about her. She does bring people back to life, but, I mean, it's just uh, true. Uh, no rancor. Yep. Like, uh, but, like, you know, where all of a sudden did uh, Atrocitus uh, come from? And I don't, I don't mean, like... His mother. <laughs> you know, yeah, like... Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't mean like you know he was dead. I mean he was ostracized. He was gone. He was not even respected by the Red Lantern Corps anymore. He was, he was, he was, he was, yeah, he was done, son. He was, he was out. How did he get get brought back in? And I, I do realize that, you know, he was brought back in supposedly before this uh, this whole rebirth thing started. Like it was during one of Cullen's books, right? Yeah, it was yeah, it was during Lobo. We saw him in that, but like, even if we're not going, Cullen didn't give us an explanation, and even if uh, Sam Humphreys is is not even basing anything he's doing off of what Cullen did with the Red Lanterns, we still have to know where the hell did Atrocitus come from? How did he gain control of the Red Lantern Corps back? Was it just as easy as the fact that? They were leaderless, and he just stepped in? Was it that simple, or was there something more going on? Where the hell did the Rage Mother come from in the first yes. place? How is Blaze respecting Atrocitus again? Because it doesn't seem like she had any respect or acknowledgement of him in the first place before all of this. So if he did show up and take control of the Red Lantern Corps, you think if somebody were to stand up to him, it would be Blaze. So the fact that all of a sudden she's kowtowing and, you know, just being all humble and yes sir, no sir around him, there had to have been some sort of epic battle for control or he had to do some slapping around or something to make her suddenly be this way towards him again. So what happened? <laughs> those, are, those are the questions we have. It's not necessarily, you know, where did the Red Lanterns themselves come from, the ones that we saw killed, because... All right, you've got a Deus Ex Machina in in the in the in the form of the Rage Mother, but all this other stuff, where can you give us anything? Can you give us a hint of an answer? Like anything? Yeah, and and, those, and, and these are things. I mean, we talk, we've talked about this ever ever since this storyline first popped up in Lobo when they started going off in this really convenient thing that we really haven't seen a huge payoff with anyway. Only. I mean, a true, the only really big payoff we ever got out of Sinestro's mission to either thin the herds of the other core and to capture their rings was whipping out the indigo ring to, to do the teleportation during the battle with the pale pale bishop and everything. Which was cool. Which was cool. Yes, and it kind of made it worth, and it made it seem worthwhile why he would want an in, why he would want an indigo an indigo ring especially. But we saw. The idea of doing so much stuff related to lanterns over in Lobo didn't make any sense. I mean, it made sense from if you wanted to get some crossover sales, figuring a Collins writing the Sinestro book, he might get some people interested in in the, in, the, in Green Lantern and the Spectrum to read Lobo because we know Lobo is not going to have a big fan base to begin with. Certainly not that version of Logo, Lobo, which is not your classic, if you will. But there were too many things that happened related to the emotional spectrum in a book that most people were not reading. And it didn't make a lot of sense at the time. 
and it just it was frustrating, especially with the with the Red Lanterns. Yes, all these Red Lanterns are brought back, and seemingly the Rage Mother can resurrect everybody, but in the same issue, friggin' Rancor gets destroyed, and he stays dead. So it's it it doesn't. I mean, I it the, the Red Lanterns especially. We need we need to know how Atrocitus and Dexter pretty much got out of wherever the hell they were kept, which we could assume was Mo was Mogo, but we don't know how they escaped, how they got rings again, how they. How they were able to, you know, resurrect the Red Lanterns to begin with, get Blaze and Rancor or whatever to to come back to their side. All these things we never ever have gotten an explanation for that, and that's a problem. It is a problem, especially so. But I don't know. I don't know. I think um, well, pro- maybe at some point we'll get at least some some explanations of some of it. But that stuff, I'm, le- I'm I have less conf- I have less confidence in. Yeah, in terms of it, you know, some people have said, you know, some of these differences we should just accept because because Rebirth. Rebirth wasn't a, like, a crisis-level event or anything, guys. It didn't change the universe. It didn't do anything other than kind of refocus the DC universe. There was no time-altering thing done. <laughs> so there's no reason for no explanation. If there's no reason for no explanation, then we should then, by default, get an explanation. <laughs> um, we don't have any other feedback, but we do have some other stuff to talk about. But before we go into the big one, because that requires people having to watch 13 episodes, do you want to talk about Flash, Supergirl, Arrow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., any of that other stuff first? We can talk about... Well, before we, if you don't mind, before we go into the TV stuff... Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what what's what we know is coming down the road in in this book, only because it kind of puts the kind of puts the period at the end of the sentence at for the Hal Jordan the Green Lantern Corps part of the show. Uh, without going into huge, I mean, there's there's spoilers, but as much as spoilers as there are in, in solicits at this point, a lot of people, most people, I think, probably read the solicits. We know coming down the road in in this book, we know there's going to be what Star Starro, right? Starro is going to be mm-hmm. in there. We know Larflees is somehow going to be involved in and in Hal Jordan the Green Lantern Corps book. We know, speaking of which, something uh, we did talk about as in predictions down the road for this. So see, it's not just Corwin. We can make we can we make we can make predictions that sometimes come true too. The idea that it's, that the Sinestro Corps and the Green Lantern Corps are going to be teaming up, even if it's short term. To deal with issues, especially uh, Starro slash Lar- the Larflees, I think, especially storyline, and a big storyline that I mean, I would I'm going to be interested in, which may, as we hinted to, may pave the way for at least seeing Ganthet and Sade come back and be more of a a play a more serious role in this book. Is that Hal, se- seemingly after his confrontation with Sinestro, Hal, even if it's just because he ne- he figures that this will be a nice antidote. To the Sinestro Corps being, being because it will help amp up the power of the Green Lantern Corps, or just because he realizes that the universe needs a lot more hope. That seemingly Hal's next mission after that he gets done with you know with the Sinestro's Law part of the uh, book, that arc that he's going to be going to seek out and trying to bring back the Blue Lantern Corps and reestablish the Blue Lantern Corps, which might mean we actually find out what happens to his friggin' what happened to his friggin' Blue Ring. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe you'll get it back. <laughs> but, oh, but, uh, but overall, there's some. I think this, there's some cool stuff that's coming in this book based on what we know is come. You know, looking at the 
next five or six issues is pretty cool. Yeah. Looking forward to it for sure. Okay. Um, uh. So back to the TV stuff. Let's talk about the Flash, since the Flash is the only one other than the other the other main thing we're gonna show we're gonna talk about. Okay. Um, yes, uh, as we record this, the second episode aired tonight, which I will be watching as soon as we're done here. Um, but the premiere happened, Flashpoint. It happened. Uh, it was a thing, and it aired. Uh, the, it was barely a thing. <laughs> uh, what do you think? Oh, by the way, guys, spoilers for anything any show you hear is talking about going forward. And that's part of the reason we're keeping it at the yeah, end of the episodes. Yeah. Um, I I was a little disappointed at this even though yes how episode 1 ends clearly the the quote unquote original if you can even figure out what really the original timeline is anymore or <laughs> to, to try to reestablish truly but the even though the everything is not put back nicely into place the way it was before flashpoint I was a little disappointed that that whole idea that oh I gotta I gotta set things back and let my mom get killed by you know Reverse Flash and everything else that all that happened in the first episode I thought that was kind of lame that the whole because they kind of build up the whole Flashpoint thing and then you know the true Flashpoint concept of the you know everything changing because he saved his mom that's pretty much just gets taken care of in one episode I was kind of disappointed. In I was, but I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't really looking forward to spending much time in the Flashpoint universe to begin with. Um, I suppose part of our disappointment comes from being comic fans in the first place. Uh, although these shows are based in the comics, as well as they keep dropping in several little things for us as fans, and the Flash in particular is really good at that, um, I feel like sometimes we're at a disadvantage because of our knowledge. Like, there is only one way Flashpoint can end. Barry's mom has to die again. You know, we knew that. <laughs> because we read the story. Uh, so, you know, that sort of heart-wrenching moment, it's not like it's not, you know, at, it's it's not like it's not potent. You know, the fact that, watching anybody have to come to grips with the fact that, <laughs> you know, I have to allow my mother to die is going to be something emotional to watch on TV, but it kind of pulls the punch out of it when you when you know it's coming. That's true. You know, you know. So I wonder if sometimes we're kind of at a disadvantage just because we are comic fans because we know what's going supposed to be happening. You know, there are certain things where they're obviously going to take a different turn than it does in the comics, but Flashpoint is one of those things. There's really only one way it could have ended. Uh, and that's how it ended in the comic. So uh, I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to see maybe some bleed over uh, in all of this. Um, now, it said alchemy on the mirror. Is that right? That is correct. Does that mean... Um, oh, what is his name? Uh, Abracadabra? Or am I thinking of something else entirely? Or is he supposed to be the rival, become the rival in this universe? Because it's the same guy, right? I it's just in the Flashpoint universe, he became the rival, and in this universe... I think it is, yes. He, it's supposed to be the same. Yeah, I believe it's supposed to be the same character. Okay, so is he supposed to be becoming the rival through some sort of alchemy? Why, why is the word alchemy on there? 
I mean, I'm pretty familiar with the Flash universe. It's just I'm not as familiar with it as I am with Green Lantern. Like, I do have the Silver Age Flash Omnibus, uh, Volume 1, and I do have the, what is it, the Mark Wade or whatever? No, the Jeff Johns Flash Omnibus, Volume 1. Uh, and, you know, smatterings of various Flash issues throughout its long, long history and stuff. But I just don't know... Where that, that that's that's a side of things I don't necessarily know where that's going. Is he supposed to be becoming the rival in this new universe, or this quote unquote new universe, um, or because when I think alchemy, I think magic, and I know it's more kind of like science based magic, like chemistry plus magic kind of stuff. Um, so, and the only time you know when I think magic and I think the Flash, I think of abracadabra. Yeah, I don't so, think that's. I don't think that's where they're going. Well, he is one of the few rogues we haven't seen um, so far. So I, I mean, even if that's not where they're going with that particular character, I'd like to see him. Um, what do we know about where we're going, though? We, uh, Grodd's supposed to be showing up at some point, right? I think we're supposed to be going back to Gorilla City. I think so. Okay, so we got that. Um, have you seen the trailer? And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because there is a Flash-related thing. Have you seen the trailer for Legends of Tomorrow, the new season? No, I have not. Oh, that's awesome, dude. you got to watch it. Just for, at the very least, even if you don't watch the show, just to see, like, all the DC stuff they're going to be dropping in there. Like, again, guys, spoilers. Did you watch Did you watch the first season of Legends of Tomorrow or no? No, I never did. Okay, so the end of that season ends with you know, whatever the big plot is being resolved. But the end of the season is, you know, some of the, some of the characters, uh, Hawkman and Hawkgirl fly off literally to do their own thing. Um, and then the rest of them decide to remain a team, right? Well, right then and there, another quote unquote time ship comes crashing out of the sky and onto the ground. And out comes this guy. And he says, my name is Rex Tyler and Rex Tyler for those of you who don't know, is our man. And uh, and he th- that is going to be introducing the JSA. The JSA is going to be coming into this. Stargirl is going to be a part of this. Um, They're bringing back Jonah Hex for a couple of episodes, I think. Um, I think I saw... Um, oh, what is it called? What is it called? Uh, what, what's his name? The General? Um, Wade Eiling? You know, Wade Eiling, uh, how he became kind of like a, some sort of Hulk-type creature, but in the DC universe? It sounds somewhat familiar, but I'm not... not re- did you remember... Did you watch the Justice League cartoon? Mm, sporadically, not regularly. Okay. Because uh, he, he did show up in there. Uh, but I, I think I saw Wade Eiling in there. Like, there's so much DC stuff happening in the show, it's ridiculous. Um, uh, but Reverse Flash shows up in this show. And he's interacting with some other villains, and it's almost like almost like a Justice Society or a Secret Society of Supervillains type of thing, where some villains are starting to come together. I have no idea. It's just cool. The, the, the reason I bring it up is because of Reverse Flash. So, if if this guy becomes the rival, and and Erebod is alive and well and back. Then, who's the big bad this season? The rival or Eobard? Eobard. Eobard. 
whatever. Just call him Thon, baby. Yeah, there you go. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out where, who, because I'm getting. I'm really, 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 really getting sick. I mean, I know it's only been two seasons, but I'm already getting sick of this whole Speed, uh, speedster time, bat, speedster time yeah. travel thing every time. Well, not just that. It's just you know, good speed versus bad speed. <laughs> you know. You got you got you got reverse flash in the first season, zoom in the second season, like, and now we have the rival. If the rival's going to be the big bad, then I'm going to be really disappointed. Like I'm getting sick of bad speedsters being the 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 big thing. Like, can we finally see the rogues come together as a big group? You know that that could be the main threat, or Grodd, or some something outside of the speed. Can we can we forget the speed thing? I get that it's the natural inclination, the way to do things, but, you know, Flash versus Reverse Flash, Flash versus Zoom, Flash versus the Rival, that's going to get old quick, and it already is for me. I don't know how the rest of you feel. I I know where you're going with it, though. I, I think there's a certain amount of truth in it. I think it gets just like, just like um, and we've mentioned this before multiple times, I'm getting sick and tired of tired of Barry making all these stupid decisions. And yeah. Barry, and you know, and as you pointed out, as a character, he's inherently supposed to be more. And yes, we all we do know being intelligent does not mean that you make good decisions. I mean, there there's it's not absolutely you know a written guarantee that just because you have a high IQ, <laughs> your decision making skills are going to be good. But Barry has really exuded. And demonstrated horrible decision-making skills, and between and being you know his and his cockiness is gets gets him into trouble, you know. So when so when he's not making bad decisions, he's being he's being really cocksure and gets himself into trouble. So having that just continued to be the pattern is, is I agree. I think I think they they do run the risk of kind of kind of going the way Arrow kind of has, which is like turning a lot of people off and having people less interested in the show at this point than it was. And some of that might be inevitable with shows like this. I don't know if maybe it's there is a certain shelf life depending unless you really shake things up. But I'm more interested in seeing, you know, him and Jay Garrick team up and do things like that this season. Think mm-hmm. that's what I'm more interested in. Vibe. Yeah. Yeah, every yeah. All that stuff I'm interested in. I'm though that stuff interested interests me more than just, oh, another generic bad guy or whether it's going to be you know reverse flash again showing up and being a problem in different I don't, it's it's like they always have an out too when it's a, when it's a another speedster and one who can travel through time because you cuz it's cuz you can always have a different version of him stop in and have be a problem kid flash I'm looking forward to seeing but I actually you know more so than kid flash I want to see Jesse quick that's true like because she was affected the same way Wally was at the end of that that season, so I really want to see Jesse Quick. Uh, like you said, definitely more um, more uh, Jay Garrick, like real Jay Garrick. Um, I definitely want to see more Flash world building. Like I think they're actually supposed to go to Gorilla City, not just like you know, fight Grodd like Grodd comes back to Central. I think they're going to Gorilla City, which is on Earth 2. So that's interesting. So how is that going to work? Um, vibe is supposed to be Vibe. 
so I'm just I'm just I'm just curious to see how it all plays out. Um, it's interesting that we haven't seen much yet with Caitlyn Snow. Sure. Like even in the, even in the promos just for the Flashpoint episode, she wasn't much of a factor. No. I mean, she wasn't much of a factor in the episode <laughs> itself. But even in teasers for future episodes, like we don't we haven't seen much of Caitlyn at all. And I'm surprised I'm the only one saying anything about it because I haven't seen anybody else like on other podcasts or blogs or on Facebook or anything. Like nobody's mentioning anything about Caitlyn. I'm curious to see what they're going to do with her. Are they going to go Killer Frost route? Like what is going on? You know, did, or is it something simple like, you know, the actress herself, you know, got tied up in some other project and she can't be around as much? I don't know. <clears throat> and, what, and whatever role Dr. Wells is going to play this season. Yeah. That's always that's a, true. That's always an in, whichever version of that character we get, it's, you know, it's always intriguing and fun to watch. So I am still interested in the show. I this I this. I can get a vibe off that no pun intended off this series or this season that it's kind of important for me to keep my interest. I think if this it could go it could go horribly wrong and I lose my interest in the show. I'm hoping that's not going to be the case, but I could I definitely could see a scenario in which that could happen. But luckily I like the it cast, did. so I don't I don't think that'll happen right away. It did have the the lowest season opener so far for that series. I mean, it's only been three seasons so far, but I did see a couple of articles that they didn't have as many viewers, nearly in, anywhere near as many viewers for the uh, premiere as they did for seasons one and two. Yeah, it's always uh, a, little, a little disconcerting. Yeah. So you don't watch Arrow. Don't watch Arrow. Wild Dog showed up. I did hear about that. Yeah. And Ragman will be showing up. I know. <laughs> I know. That'll make you so happy. That's gonna make, dude. I'm gonna freak out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna watch probably every episode that has Ragman in it at least two or three times, because every I'm going night. to. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look very intently at every single scene Ragman is in. Um, that's interesting. The wild dog stuff was kind of cool. Um, I don't know. I, I, I Arrow. Arrow isn't something I'm necessarily – see, I don't want to say I'm like – I don't like watching it or I'm watching it and it's just, just, just to keep up with it or anything because I, I'm standing here, guys, and I'm talking on Skype with Mark and I'm looking across my room and right over there on one of my bookshelves is sitting a stack of season one, two, and three of Arrow on Blu-ray. <laughs> okay? It's not like I don't like the show. It's just at this point, this – it's more of which half it's out of loyalty it's out of the cool stuff they do with the dc universe and it's like you know there are certain pieces of the season like there's a it's either the first half or the second half or the entire season but every other episode has like really incredible moments that i just cannot let arrow go uh, and I'm interested to see where they're going with this, but I feel like uh, it's starting to slowly lose me. Supergirl premiered the other day. Mark doesn't watch that. She's part of the CW-verse now, but not really. Um, she's still in her own universe, but 
that and Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow and Flash will all be crossing over at some point. I think they're... Did you read the article, Mark? They're supposed to be going up against the Dominators? I don't... I think I saw the headline. I don't think I actually got a chance to read the article. Yeah, the Dominators will be the big bad for the crossover. Um... Uh, supposedly, and for those of you who don't know the Dominators uh, is, I recommend a little comic series called Invasion uh, from DC Comics. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, so there's that. Supergirl was great. It was good. It, it also, that premiere was also kind of, I mean, Superman was a part of it, which was awesome. Um, like, there, there were so many little lines and moments and cool things and things they did with Clark and things they did with Superman and all this, all this other stuff. Um, but like there was even a moment where one of the characters and it wasn't, it wasn't Clark. Um, but one of the characters in the show, uh, you know, drops the line about, man, I'm nervous about this. I know it. I know that flying is statistically still the safest way to travel, (laughs) you know? So that made me smile a little bit, you know, stuff like that. Um, like for instance, uh, I know you don't watch the show, but you know, Kara was the assistant to Cat Grant in, in, in the first season. Well, she's no longer that assistant and she, you know, Kara had to find a new assistant for, uh, for, uh, Cat. So the first introduction we get to this, this new assistant who I don't think is going to be a big character, but it was a cool line. Do you, you want to know the name of, <laughs> of this new assistant? Sure. Cat Grant. She she when she calls her because she's always screaming at her assistant. She goes, Miss Tessmacher. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Miss Tessmacher. So that's cool. <laughs> you know there are just cool 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 moments in it, and I thought I thought it was good. It was good. It was a good season opener, but it, it I felt like it was missing something. So there's that. I don't think Legends of Tomorrow has started up yet. Um, that's more of a a winter beginning of spring thing instead of like a premiering at the same time as flash and arrow and everything. Um, cause it's a shorter one series, but that, that's also a great show, <clears throat> but you wanted to talk about something else, something we've both actually watched and completed. So that's right. So let's talk a little bit about Luke cage, which is the latest of the Marvel Netflix TV shows to actually be, to premiere and finish with, of course, Iron Fist being the next one to roll out. So, what now? What did you? What did you think? What did you think about Luke Cage? Because you did watch Jessica Jones, right? I watched both seasons of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and I've completed Luke Cage. Luke Cage is the slowest, like, paced of all of them, but I still loved it. Um. I want to say now, and, and, and I told Mark before we started recording off air, uh, Mondo Gallery, uh, which is a place that's based here in Austin, they do a lot of cool things, particularly with prints. I'm actually looking at three of them on my wall right now. Um, that uh, limited run prints, screen prints of things, and uh, cool galleries and stuff like that. They also do some sort. They do a special like vinyl releases. Mondo is doing a vinyl release of, uh, I guess, dual disc, whatever you want to call it, uh, vinyl release of the soundtrack to Luke Cage. The reason I bring it up is because not only did I pre-order it, I kind of feel like, you know how, in, 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 not as severely, 
But you know how in Guardians of the Galaxy, the music was a character, kind of? It was a part of that movie? Yep. I feel like the music was a part of the show. Yeah, they definitely played up They played up the whole aspect of having the club be such a key set, you know, set piece made it easier to do that. But it it definitely fed the – made the music was a – music was a character because Harlem itself was a character, I think. Yeah, that's that's true. I think I think the music and the fact that it's Harlem are tied together. I also think it's also tied together because the character of Luke Cage was, you know, the powerful, you know, strong black man in the seventies. You know what I mean? Right. I, f- I feel like that was also a reason for it. So it, it between it being Harlem and the club, and, uh, which was Harlem's paradise, uh, and and just the the kind of. <sighs> gospel funk i guess maybe uh that that not necessarily that wasn't just playing in the club but like you know while they were you know having scenes out in the streets and stuff like that like or in the barber shop or you know any of this stuff i feel like i feel like the 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 music was as big of a part of it uh or a bigger part of it than in any other show so far from the Netflix fair or just any Marvel show. Cause I'll just go ahead and throw in agents of shield in that or agent Carter. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, uh, uh Mike Cotter. Is that his name? Coulter, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. I enjoyed his portrayal of Luke Cage. I don't, that's like, that's a character I don't know much about. Um, but I, what I do know about Luke Cage is, and, and, and from what I know is it's just, I know it's hard. It, it's kind of very generic to say about any hero, but Luke is a good man, and I, I really got that from from this character is uh, his sense of morality, uh, his history, you know, stuff like that. I know that him and Jessica, you know, in the comics, you know, they end up married to one another, have a kid, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I'm interested to see where all that goes. But my favorite part of it, and, and I posted this on Facebook, and, and Mark, you responded. My favorite part of it is I like how the night nurse is involved in all this. Like she's like the Sam Jackson, you know, Nick Fury character. You know, it's like that character brought the Avengers to character together. This, and you know what? Actually, you know what? Let me revise that. She's almost like the Phil Coulson. Like, I know that Nick Fury brings the Avengers together, but Phil was like the the cattle. Yeah, he's the common thread. Yeah, he's the common thread for a lot of these people. Um, So I feel like, I feel like, uh, what was her name? I I can't, because, you know, every time I see her, all I think is I know that character's supposed to be Night Nurse, so I think of her as Night Nurse. What was her name? You mean Claire? Claire. There you go. Claire Temple. She is, you know, the Night Nurse in in Marvel Comics, and I think there have been several characters to go by the term night nurse and, and this is actually the first time that they they they, they use that name um uh, in, in one of the episodes towards towards the end in the club when all that stuff is going down like um uh, uh, when uh, luke is in the kitchen and stuff like that yeah remember that okay so like she's pretending to help her friend and and one of the thugs says like Hey, give the night nurse here some like medication or something like that. He uses the term, the word night nurse, and that's the first time you you ever hear her called that. So that's cool. Um, but I like how she's like this common thread. She 
she knows Foggy and Matt, and she's she helped Luke and Jessica, and now she's in a relationship with Luke. Um, and then at the very end of the the final episode, she grabs like a like a you know like one of those flyers that you you tear a piece off of for a phone number, and and that's for a self defense class, which is hinting at the Iron Fist side of things. So she's going to be like this Phil Coulson like catalyst for the defenders. So I, I really like how it's a long game that they're playing with that. And it actually works. Like they're not jamming her in there in ways that you're like, what the hell is she doing there? It actually makes sense. Yeah, with Cl- with Claire, I I do I just think she I think she does you know it's a, it's really weird to me how she, she just seems to naturally belong in this like Luke, Luke Cage universe this series even more than in daredevil certainly more in jessica jones i think she the relationship with her and luke i think is fleshed out a little bit more even than her relationship i think from what i saw in the episodes i've seen of daredevil than with matt so i think i think i think that's one of the things i really like about the show i definitely think the the cast across the board i think is really really good i think they absolutely they absolutely nailed the origin episode. There's no doubt. If there's no doubt about that, the fact that they do they do such a good tie-in to the original appearance, literally the physical appearance of Luke Cage with his like with his his crown, if you will, his 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 bracelets, his 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 color scheme, the sweet Christmas stuff. They just do a really good they do a really good job tying that in. So I think that and. Yeah, I think I I think I think that works. I I guess I think a ne- the only the only real negative, and you I think you I think you mentioned this the idea about the about the pacing about the show mm-hmm. being it could be could be a little could be a little crisper. I think it absolutely could be a little little crisper. I don't think we need necessarily thirteen episodes of these Marvel Netflix shows. I think ten episodes would probably be sufficient. 13 episodes Game of Thrones, yes. 10, 10 episodes of Netflix, of Netflix, yes. <laughs> I don't think... I think it just... I don't know if there's n- enough story. Even with Jessica Jones, I kind of sensed that. I thought that they could have... And... Especially in... With Luke Cage, it was odd because of the color Cottonmouth thing, you know? Once they once they lost Cottonmouth, it kind of... It's almost like it was two seasons in one to begin with. Yeah. I think it's... So I think it's... It... It was entertaining. It was it was cool. I think it could have been it could have been a little bit better. It makes does it, it does make me look forward to maybe Iron Fist more the relationship between Iron Fist and Luke Cage more necessarily than just seeing the Luke you know the Iron Fist show. And it does make me a little more interested in the in the Defenders. But I do as a concept, even though of course these are not your you know these are not your traditional Defenders. Really, in the, from the comic book point of view, there's not that many of the. To me, when I think of Defenders, I think of you know Doctor Strange and Nighthawk and Valkyrie and the Hulk and things like that. So, but it's it, it's cool. It was it's def it's definitely I think worth worth checking out. And to me, by far, it's the it's the better of the three Netflix Marvel shows at this point. Luke Cage is I think the most likable and the most respectable character of the three so far. So I think that's I think that's certainly a plus. They do a good job making him moral all the way through the show, so 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a good show. As far as Iron Fist goes, I'm not, I don't, uh, I don't know anything about that character or his, or his world. I may know, I may know something about a supporting cast or something like that that I don't necessarily know is linked to Iron Fist, but it'll be interesting watching that show because I, I, I'm knowing and expecting zero going into it. So that'll be interesting. As far as, um, Claire, uh, fitting in better on this show, I think it's also how they wrote the character too, because in uh, Hell's Kitchen with uh, Daredevil and uh, the stuff that was going on during Jessica Jones and all of that stuff, she was written to be kind of a fish out of water. You know, here she maybe you know have more screen time, but she's also the character is from Harlem, so she is quite literally at home True. on the Luke Cage show. So that that works a little bit better uh, in terms of her characterization because she kind of fits in that world. Just the things she knows about the neighborhood and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, that's a good point. They seem but, to yeah, get it's a, good. but yeah, it's a great show. Uh, I really like the openings, the opening credits on all of these Netflix shows. Uh, Luke Cage was no exception. I mean, it. The, the pictures of the city and and the physicality of it like the the the, the way they, they kept throwing like arms and people's backs and stuff like that and then pictures of Harlem and the music and everything that just whoever's in charge of all these openings is doing a really good job because the one with Daredevil was perfect um, when that first came out uh, the Jessica Jones one fits fits that show and it's uh it's tone and it's template and then this luke cage one also just it's they're all all these openings on these netflix marvel shows is really good yeah they, they definitely they definitely put the effort in. you know they're doing they're doing their legwork and their homework and and the and the music in general is, you know the mu- music in general just on the show you wow. know just kind, kind of captures the flavor of harlem and just kind of work it becomes you know it's kind of a kind of a character onto itself in the show and i think it's so they do a really good. It's a this the series definitely has a good a natural feel to it a different a different unique a unique feel to it certainly different than let's say Daredevil and Jessica Jones like it should have, but I think the music help helps that to a, to a large extent and I just think now, they definitely have a vision of what they're doing, you know, kind of trying to build you know their you know the Netflix TV universe here and connect all these threads. So I think so far they're doing a good job. So hopefully Iron Fist will continue it, and hopefully then the Defenders will take it to the next level. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about it? No, I'm 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 pretty happy with it. I think yeah. To me again, I think it's the best of the three shows overall. Uh, probably again ten maybe ten episodes. So Defenders you probably can get away with thirteen depending on who the big bads are. We know Sigourney Weaver, what it's supposed to be related to the defenders. Now as I think it's supposed to be the, one of the big bads, I think on that, on that show, what they're going towards. We don't know who she's playing, but that, but she's supposed to be on that show. So I think 13 episodes you can get away with for the defenders. I don't know if you really need 13 for the other shows. I think 10 episode seasons would be sufficient. Um, but that's just me, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely worth checking out. All right. You want to uh, tell people how they can reach us? Absolutely. You can email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Visit our website, lanterncast.com. 
There you can access our four. Well, actually, you can, you can access mostly our blogs and our movie reviews and our Dark Star reviews, Ring Cyclopedia episodes. Pretty much everything we have at the moment you can access. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on whichever format or platform you listen to us on. Last but not least, 708 Lantern is our voicemail. 708 Lantern, leave us a voicemail and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Uh, we got some plans coming up for some big episodes in the future. One big st- Green Lantern storyline with a special guest that you haven't heard yet on the Lantern cast before. So that's as far as I'm going to go with that. We have a commentary coming uh, track coming up. Uh, not Green Lantern related, but we do have a commentary track coming up. Um, so that's something cool to look forward to, and that's it for now. So uh, we do have plans, and we got some stuff in the works, so just keep your ears peeled. Sounds like a good plan, people. Listen to Chad. Listen to Chad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.